page 7, we stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God. Merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, with which I have offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, and a person to me. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, who heartily repent of your sins, believe on Jesus Christ, and sincerely and earnestly purpose, by the assistance of God the Holy Ghost, henceforth to amend your sinful lives. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The introit in your white bulletin insert. to make ready the way of thine only begotten Son, so that by his coming we may be enabled to serve thee with pure minds, through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with the Father and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end.
the Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Advent is from the fourth chapter of the book of Micah. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. It and shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. Out of, for out of Zion, he, for out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not be lifted, nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on even forevermore. Here ends the reading. The epistle is from the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now many of God, now, now many, the God of patience grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcised for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles, and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here endeth the epistle. According to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Glory 
there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and the day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Here endeth the Gospel. Page 17, the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
Stand. Our sermon text is from Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. This is our text. Let us pray. Cleanse our conscience, we beseech thee, almighty God, by the daily visitation of thy grace that when thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, shall come, he may find us fit for his appearing and ready to meet him without spot in the company of all his saints, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, now and forever. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, the Gospel reading was our humble Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We saw that he was a special king, come to earn righteousness for us, and then give it to us. Through his suffering and death, he would forgive us. The epistle emphasized the great comfort that comes from the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. That message brought great comfort. And now this Sunday, St. Luke's Gospel, it tells us that Jesus will return again on the last day. When he comes, he will not come gently, but riding on a cloud with power and great might. Jesus is now crowned as king And he is fully exercising his authority over all things. But what is not comforting as regards this gospel reading are the disturbing signs which will precede the end. We read that there will be cosmic signs of the end in which the sun and moon don't shine as we expect them to do. The stars, which are as fixed as they can be, will now leave their place. On the earth, there will be terrestrial signs that this world is not going to last forever. The waves of the sea and natural disasters let us know this world is not going to remain. In the public sphere, There are nations in distress, wars, and perplexity. The response to all this is that people's hearts are failing within them. These signs could not be described as comforting. No, no. But the world that we live in is coming to an end. Jesus says it quite plainly. Heaven and earth will pass away. And the word heaven here means the sky above, just as in Genesis chapter 1. So what we call creation was the birth announcement in Genesis 1. You might remember it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But now, Jesus is announcing the death of the heavens and the earth. Heaven and earth will pass away. The words sound like an obituary because, well, that is what is going on. Major organs in the cosmic and terrestrial spheres are failing and things are shutting down and the patient is close to death. We understand, yes. No one lives forever, but, but this is heaven and earth. I... I we tend to think that heaven and earth aren't going anywhere. Well, they are. They will go away. They will pass away. When we hear that a friend or a relative has passed away, we're usually surprised. No, no, I just saw them last month. Or we say, oh, they can't be that old. How old are they? Jesus says, For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. You see, death is never expected. It always catches us like a trap catches an animal. 
It's true for our friend. It's true for heaven and earth. It will pass away. So last Sunday's theme was the great comfort that we have from our humble and righteous bringing king. There is great comfort for the believer with this inner peace worked by the Holy Spirit. So what is the theme of this morning? You might think, sounds like it could be fear. The sky is falling. Run. The house in which we live in is being destroyed. How about the theme, destruction? The heaven or the sky above is falling to earth. The earth is not going to last. Maybe we ought to call the theme despair. We've got Advent banners about Christ's coming, incarnate, in grace, in glory. For some reason, Christ's coming in fear, in destruction, and despair doesn't really sound like it would make for a good Advent banner. I mean, Advent already gets overlooked according to Christmas, and so these themes would not really help. Well, all right, enough justing. That's not the theme at all. It might surprise you to note that the theme for this Sunday, for this morning, is actually hope. Hope. Which is exactly what people need. But you might ask, how can there be hope when the end is near and we see all these disturbing signs? The answer to that question is revealed by Jesus in today's Holy Gospel, and you will find that it was clearly understood by St. Paul as he writes today's epistle. You see, Jesus doesn't tell us to cover our ears and just ignore what's going on all around us. Neither does Jesus tell us that he's going to remove the signs or somehow take away the ending, coming end of the world. You see, for the unbeliever, the end will always be a source of fear. The end of their own life will bring to destruction everything that they have done. The end of the heavens and the earth will be shocking. And they will always be in dread of Christ's return. However, for the believer, there has been a fundamental change. Last week, we saw... The first coming of Christ was not to demand righteousness, but to provide it for us through his suffering and death. And now this week, we see that the righteousness which we possess by faith has removed the fear and has removed the dread of Christ's second coming on the last day. You see, all the while that Jesus is speaking about the death of heaven and earth, He is directing his believers to have hope. He says, now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Now Jesus does not hide us, hide from us the reality of the end of the world, but he does put a different twist upon it. Believers are not to be overcome by fear or dread, but they are to be welcoming its coming. The second coming of Christ and the last day will bring redemption to God's people. Now, I say that there has been a fundamental change, but actually that change first occurred with the first coming of Christ. It is the forgiveness of sins which Jesus came to accomplish that took away the wrath which our sins had earned And so it is this announcement of forgiveness, and it's rightly called the good news, because good news brings hope, good news or gospel. You see, when Eve and Adam fell into sin, they hunkered down in fear with the trees in the garden. They feared death. They feared destruction. But lest they fall into despair, God announced the defeat of the ancient serpent, that is the devil, by the male offspring of the woman who was to come. Messages of good news. Yes, they have been delivered by angels and prophets for the entire 4,000 years of the Old Testament. God promised Abraham that he would become the church 
and a Savior would be born in his promised line. Job proclaimed that he would rise from the dead and with his own eyes he would get to see Jesus. Isaiah told us that a child would be born to a virgin. Ezekiel declared that the dry bones would be resurrected. And Malachi said that the king would come to his temple. God called the Old Testament people his special people, and they were to be a light to the Gentiles so that all would have the good news. God set it up so that the entire Old Testament was a book of hope. The reason for God's revelation of himself in the Holy Scriptures was so that we might have hope, not fear and not despair. St. Paul understood this. In the first words of his epistle from the Romans, chapter 15, he says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You see, God was wanting to teach Adam and Eve to have hope as they faced the punishment or banishment which was from the Garden of Eden. He wanted them to know that they would have a happy return to paradise. He wanted Abraham to have hope despite never actually taking possession of the land. There would be a promised land and it would come to all believers. God wanted Job and Isaiah, and Ezekiel to have hope in their sufferings, in their captivity, and in their daily lives. God's people would patiently wait for the coming Savior. God wanted the prophet Malachi to give us a sign of his coming, the hope of Christ's entry into Jerusalem. And when Jesus arrived, that hope-filled people welcomed him with palm branches and shouts of Hosanna, The entire Old Testament was a book of God desiring us to have hope in him and in his redemption. You see, it is only through the gospel that believers can have hope. And that Christian hope changes our present lives. Listen to what St. Paul says. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. God's people not only have a confident hope that all things will end, but he gives us patience and he gives us comfort. Without the hope of forgiveness and eternal life, this world would be a place of distress and perplexity, of fear and foreboding. The fleetingness of this present world will put us on edge The uncertainty about the future would make us jittery. And we cannot protect ourselves from the natural disasters that come. We cannot see the economic consequences of political decisions. We cannot insulate ourselves from the raging madness of war and bloodshed. But with hope, that is, with the hope of Christ, we can be patient. Patient with this world's twists and turns. We can have, well, we already have the promise of our daily bread in this life. We need not fear. We have the promise that neither sin, death, nor the devil can rob us of the eternal life which is to come. And so believers hold on to Christ, knowing that all things will work out for the good. With Christian hope, we can settle down get married and have a family. We can diligently do our vocation and be a productive member of society. We can eat and drink, giving thanks to God our Father. And if our Lord, who gives, also takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows what is best. Jesus has warned us to watch ourselves, that we believe in the gospel message of hope. You see, we do not let our hearts be weighed down with carousing. You see, those who are looking for something which they do not have. We do not let our hearts be weighed down with drunkenness. Those who do 
are trying to escape the despair which they have. We do not let our hearts be weighed down with the cares of this life. Yes, we live in this world, but we don't cling to the stuff of this world. Heaven and earth will pass away. Your stuff will pass away. Your physical life will pass away. Nevertheless, we have hope, a blessed hope, a hope from God. And that, my Christian friends, is why the second coming of Christ and the end of heaven and earth is a source of hope for Christians. You see, we know the second half of the sentence, which begins, heaven and earth will pass away. We know that Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. We hold to Christ's words, and thus we have hope. His words show us the way through this world into the next. Through faith we can be patient, because our redemption will come. Oh, it will be soon enough for each one of us. This world is passing away, but those who hold on to Christ will live forever. Through faith in Christ's righteousness, you will be declared worthy to stand before the Son of Man. We know that the signs of the end, which we see all around, they are harbingers, but not of fear and dread, of eternal peace and joy. We see the worst, but we do not despair. We patiently and in hope gather around the word which does not pass away. We raise our heads in joy and peace and confidently proclaim that Christ is coming again. Come, Lord Jesus. We receive our Lord's body and blood in his holy supper. Now, it is interesting that St. Paul ties the Lord's Supper, our celebration of it, with the return of Christ. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. When St. Paul says, till he comes, it's not despair, but hope. We partake of the Lord's Supper here until it is superseded by the heavenly supper which is to come. And the coming of this heavenly feast of the Lamb was not just St. Paul's idea. He got it from Jesus. Our Lord Jesus spoke of it on the very night when he instituted this meal. Jesus said, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Our Jesus, when he was signing his last will and testament, was already thinking about his glorious return. He knew that he had come into Jerusalem just earlier in the week as a humble and righteous king. In less than 24 hours, he knew he would be hanging on a cross to accomplish our salvation. And now, as he is instituting the Holy Supper, he is giving us Hope, through the reception of this meal in faith, we would have the hope, the hope of eating another meal with him in his heavenly kingdom. The second coming is welcomed by Christians because our redemption draws near in great hope. Lift up your heads. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Page 18, Create in Me We Stand.
The General Prayer, page 19, we stand. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank Thee for all Thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of Thy dear Son and for the revelation of Thy will and grace. And we beseech Thee so to implant Thy word in us, that in good and honest hearts we may keep it and bring forth fruit by patient continuance in well-doing. Most heartily we beseech Thee so to rule and govern Thy church universal with all its pastors and ministers, that it may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word, whereby faith toward thee may be strengthened and charity increased in us toward all mankind. Grant also health and prosperity to all in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the Governor and Legislature of this Commonwealth, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure to the maintenance of righteousness and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are suffering for thy name's sake and for thy truth's sake, comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of thy fatherly will. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth, nor are many transgressions, but out of thine unspeakable grace and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul, preserve us from faults and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause also the needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with thy blessings. We ask your blessing upon our Bishop James, our pastors Michael and Gary, also upon our armed forces, especially Jason and Blank, our police officers, Daniel and Alex, our shut-ins, Carolyn and Patty, our elderly, Violet and Tom. Those who are pregnant, be with them and their unborn children, Susan and Christina. Provide for our students, Tom, Kara, Jonathan, Sarah, Sadie, and Alexis. Be with those of various needs, Kevin, Levi, Larry and Deb, Christina, Jim and Charlotte, Denise, Melanie. We give thanks for the uh, successful procedure for Anita, but also an upcoming one on December 29th, and for the good report uh, which Jackie received this week. These and whatsoever other things thou wouldst have us ask of thee, O God, vouchsafe unto us for the sake of the bitter suffering and death of Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Oh,
your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared, Proclaiming in the Messiah, the very Lamb of God, and calling sinners to repentance, that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, And with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, praise and thank you for having had mercy on those whom you created, sending your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. We implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Bless we the Lord. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.